Hello and welcome to another episode of the R Foundations podcast. My name is Joshua. I am your host, and today's episode will be a continuation of this series we've been doing on technocracy. This episode in particular is focused on the book series called Foundation from Isaac Asimov. He's got this whole Foundation universe that has many books. I'm not actually sure exactly how many. I think there's probably less than a dozen, but more than half a dozen uh, at the very least. And those are mostly written by Isaac Asimov. There were some that were written by other people later on that were approved by his estate. And they all come together to form this foundation series, the Foundation Universe. And I will be using that to elaborate further on the idea of technocracy as it evolves into a more immaterial manifestation. So if you need a brief recap, we started this series on technocracy with a more material focus, and that was looking at Machiavelli's The Prince, George Orwell's 1984, and Jeremy Bentham's uh, the Panopticon writings. And those were all examples of technocracy in a very clear hierarchical material manifestation that we looked at to see kind of what those qualities were, what the structure was, what that actually looked like, did a lot of comparisons to modern times and what we're seeing, seeing today. Then I bridged the gap in between that version of technocracy and the evolution of what that evolves into by looking at how those three illusions evolve as well the Prince 1984 and the idea of the Panopticon. And so that brought us into this next phase, the evolution, the more immaterial version of the technocracy. And I covered Brave New World last week. I covered Plato's Republic the week before that. And this time we will round that out with the Foundation series. So that is where we are. Obviously, if you are new, uh, go back to whatever makes sense to you, either the beginning of the series, beginning of the season, or ideally episode one, or even the pre-episode one. I think there's an episode zero. I need to re-record that, by the way. I do that once every year-ish to give an update of what this podcast is about. So that reminds me to do so. But for everyone else, we will continue on with this look into how technocracy is presented in Foundation. So I will give a brief overview of a few things because I kind of need to set the stage for this. The Foundation universe begins on this concept of psychohistory. In the first books, this is something that is getting developed. You have Harry Seldon, who is the person that invents, for lack of a better term, psychohistory. And what he does is he uses mathematics in order to predict large events of large groups of people. So what he can do is make these formulas based on the past and based on the present. And what they do is they then predict what will happen in the future. But he can only work with very large numbers of people and very general trends. This isn't something like Minority Report where he can tell that, oh, person A is going to murder person B in 22 years. 
that's not how this works. This is basically saying, oh, this civilization will become more authoritarian. You will have a religion that comes into prominence that takes over, and that will lead towards the downfall of this civilization as another more nimble society starts to come in from the outside. It'll be something broad like that. He could basically input all of the data of the civilizations, the societies, the planets, the groups of people input all this data, and he can then tell the general trends of what will happen in the future. And this is proven out, and he creates what's known as the Selden Plan. And the Selden Plan is the solution to a problem that Selden discovered once he implemented this psychohistory. Once he had proven the efficacy of psychohistory, he then applied it to find out what it would show about the future. So he looked at past events and would input historical data and see if it would predict future events that were past to him, but future to the data that he input. And so he then put in data that was historical and up to his present time to see what it would produce about the future. And unfortunately, what it showed was a fairly bleak future. At the time of Selden's establishment of psychohistory, the universe as humankind knew it, so to say, was all under the jurisdiction of one empire— And this empire was able to establish peace, and there was peace and prosperity, and everything was looking overall good. It wasn't perfect, it wasn't utopia, but in general, there was this uniformity all under this overriding empire that ruled over the galaxy, and that was the current state of being. But what Selden saw was that the Empire, despite how it seemed to be so strong and so stable and so everlasting, he saw that the Empire would fall, the Empire would crumble, and this was something that was not going to take all that long. This was possibly a matter of decades, or maybe a few hundred years at the most, but this was something that would happen in the relatively near future, when you look at society, civilizations, planets, that perspective. And after this would happen, the whole galaxy would fall into a state of chaos. It would be a state of anarchy in the uh, more pop culture idea of what anarchy is. Chaos, people being crazy and doing bad things to each other. That idea of anarchy. So I will just state that as chaos because that is a more accurate descriptor. So with this state of chaos, it was going to take... I don't remember how many years, to be honest. It was thousands and thousands of years before the galaxy would then reestablish order and there would be peace and prosperity would start to come through again and people would be more unified and basically there would be order brought back to the galaxy. Well, since Selden could see that this was going to happen, he could prove it mathematically through psychohistory, he also was then able to find out what variables could be changed in order to change the end outcome. So the end outcome is this prolonged period of chaos before a restoration of order. Now, he could not change any variables to change the fall of the empire. 
Nothing he could do would change that. It was way too late. This was going to happen. The Empire was going to fall, and there was going to be a period of darkness and chaos. But what he could do, and what he found and proved through psychohistory that he was able to do, was to shorten this period of chaos uh, tenfold or something like that. It was uh, just a minuscule amount of time compared to, at least, what it would have been. It still was a few hundred or a few thousand years that it would take, but that was much, much less than what it would have been otherwise. And so he wanted to do this. He wanted to shorten this period of darkness and chaos so that society could get back to a state of order. Now, that is the general plot as far as the beginning of these books are concerned. And he tried to state his opinions. Most people didn't believe him. He got shunned. And yeah, things go on from there, as narratives typically do. But he was able to implement some of his plans. And this is the idea of the foundations. So with this whole setting, you have these systems that he creates for following the plan, which would be the Selden plan, which would be his plan for shortening this period of darkness that is just known as the plan. And I will hereby refer to it as the plan for the rest of the episode, unless I don't. So uh, with the plan, the idea was he would set up these systems that would basically help societies to follow this plan without authoritarian uh, rulership or physical force. So these systems would be in place and would basically guide societies, civilizations, planets into doing the things that need to be done in order for this plan to unfold as he saw that it could. And so with this being the case, it was very important that the plan was followed. And as the plan was followed, there were times throughout the next few hundred years after the fall of the empire that Selden, his image, would appear and make a statement and he would basically call out what was happening or what had just happened or what was about to happen. Even though it had been hundreds of years since Selden was even alive, he was basically proving that, hey, my plan is accurate. This is what's going on. You should be in this state or that state. You should be in this crisis right now, or you just came out of a crisis and it was roughly structured in this way. And so he proved, even after his death, that the plan was something worth following, that there was some solidity there and it was it was effective. And so people became very uh, dogmatic about following this plan especially the people that basically stemmed from his first system. And the first system that he set up, this was done publicly, this was done near the beginning of the establishment of psychohistory, this was the first foundation. And the first foundation was something that was much more... I guess, material. This is kind of the idea of the first stage of technocracy, which is why it's also a good example for the final illusion to bring into this whole assessment of technocracy as a whole. So with the first foundation, that this is a society that he established, the uh, public reason for it to exist was to retain knowledge, that he saw that the galaxy was going to fall, 
but we don't need to lose all of this knowledge and information and skills, technology, these types of things. So he wanted to create a galactic encyclopedia to store all of the knowledge that existed at that time. And that way, when things fell into darkness and chaos, they would have all that knowledge and information to fall back on. So you can think back to the fall of Constantinople, when a lot of the philosophy came back into the Western part of the former Roman Empire, and that sparked this renaissance of new learning, new growth, new ideas, all of these types of things. It's that same concept where he felt that if there was this treasure trove of knowledge and technology, then that society that was holding on to it, that created this galactic encyclopedia, would then be able to bring that back to the rest of the galaxy, and that was part of what would reestablish order. Now, with this... This society that was set up, and he did set this up, this was known as the first foundation, or just as the foundation, because it was not clear that there actually was a second foundation, but we will get to that next. So the foundation, the first foundation, this was the more material version of technocracy, the more material system that he set up. It was a society that was on kind of a backwater planet that was on the edge of the galaxy. Um, He thought that the reason this would be most effective would be that it would be outside of politics, it would be outside of the pull from the fall of the empire and the fighting that would be going on, the political issues, and instead it would be on the outskirts, and he foresaw that there would be some conflicts with some of the other outlying planets, but that they would be able to unify based on their position as having this information, knowledge, and technology that this would help them to establish a true kind of seat of power and influence, so to say, on the outskirts of the galaxy that would then, over the period of darkness, expand and expand and expand, and the foundation would be what would eventually restore order to the galaxy. So that was the idea. Now, the foundation had superior technology, to just about anybody else, especially after the fall of the empire, they had access to all the knowledge and data that was stored and that they had brought together. And it was a unifying body that contrasted the anarchic chaos that existed in the rest of the galaxy after the fall of the empire. So this is what the first foundation was. And these were the reasons why he established it. Now, going back to the idea of psychohistory, with psychohistory, science and algorithms are in control. It's all based on mathematics. It's all based on these mathematical formulas. And so that should definitely ring some bells when we talk about technocracy. That's the idea of technocracy is that you rule according to objective data that is collected through the technology of the time. That is what he was doing with psychohistory. And obviously, psychohistory, the, uh, I guess the most useful application of this was to be able to foresee the future, at least grand events and trends. Now, that is something that we could also potentially already have the technology for in today's day. We do have this aspect of science and technology and algorithms that are being used to predict things in the future, but we aren't looking at only macro events here. You get a company like Facebook and Amazon, Google, they can actually 
oftentimes predict what you are going to buy before you even search the item to buy the item. They can predict very well, very effectively, not all the time, not 100%. There still is this issue of variables, and they can't get everything exact. They can't tell the future, so to say, but they can statistically have a very good idea of what people are going to do before they do it. They can get a very good idea of how people will respond to a certain message, to a certain picture, to a certain advertisement, to a certain product. They can forecast this stuff very well based on the technology that they have, the algorithms that they they have created, all of this based on science, technology, mathematics. Uh, This is the idea of psychohistory just at a much smaller scale because I would say we have the technology to do it at a much smaller scale. So with this, you can know the future and you can preemptively deal with problems. That's the whole idea of Selden's plan, is that he saw a future that was negative. He could preemptively do something about it, change some variables that would have been, and make them something else so that that problem would be mitigated as much as he reasonably could do. And that is what is happening in today's world, where There are people, there are societies, there are markets and niches, there are different groups of people that are paired together that are then basically run through a prediction algorithm, a prediction model, so that a corporation, a government, a group of some kind will know roughly what is going to be the trend that this group will continue in or will start. And if they can predict what that trend is, then all they have to do is tweak some variables, figure out what those variables are, go ahead and tweak them preemptively in order to twist that end outcome to what they desire. So you can uh, think back to a lot of examples that I have covered in this show. I think I've talked a little bit about the feminist movement, about the civil rights movement. There are lots of examples of times uh, like the ATF and the FBI sending in undercover agents to militia groups or things of that nature to then spark something to then preemptively cause them to come in, shut it down. They look good. They've shut down this potential threat that could have ended up being a threat, but they stopped it preemptively. And they did so by interfering and changing some of the variables. Similar things to this. But as you can imagine... This is something that can be done both on a much larger scale in today's day, and it can be done on a much smaller scale, pinpointing even all the way down to the individual. Now, this is a big deal with psychohistory is that it cannot predict the individual. But in today's world, with today's technology, we can't 100% predict the individual, but we can make a lot of predictions that are statistically accurate about an individual. So we are getting pretty close to that. And I've talked a lot before about the idea of problem-reaction-solution, the Hegelian dialectic, which would be, what is that? If it's not problem-reaction-solution, it is 
thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. So you have this thesis that gets introduced. You have the antithesis. What is the reaction to that thing? So what's the problem? Then what is the reaction to that problem? And then the synthesis is what results from that. That would be the solution. And this is a model that has been used many times, especially by groups or people that want to control large populations, because this is something that is very effective. You can use uh, mass psychosis, you can use targeted advertising, you can use lots of different techniques in order to make this happen. If you want a certain result, then in order to get that result, you basically rewind the clock back, figure out what variables you need to change in order for that result to naturally occur. So if you think of something like wanting to have full control over a population of people, not necessarily controlling their every thought and action, but you do want to be able to monitor their every action. You want to know what they're doing. You want to know when they're doing it. You want to know uh, as best you can why they're doing it. And you want to be able to make some alterations based on that data. Well, The only way to do this is to be monitoring and surveilling people at all times and be tracking and tracing everything they do. Now, most people, especially at least a few years ago, were very against this idea. This was a horrible idea that no one would ever go with, and you were a conspiracy theorist if you even suggested it. In today's world, it is more mainstream than it used to be, but still, when you present it in a way, as I just did, that is fairly out in the open people oftentimes are not big fans of that idea. So with this being the case, if somebody or some group or some organization or group of organizations, some oligarchy, wanted to have some control over a population in this manner through this method, they would have to change some variables. Because since the masses are not very positive about this outcome, this outcome would probably not naturally occur. So what you need to do is change some variables so that it will naturally occur. Now, how do you do that? Well, you go back to the beginning, to the thesis, to the problem, and you want to create an environment, a setting for a certain reaction to occur to occur that would then lead to the... Um, the solution, the synthesis that you desire. So that's your ultimate goal. So if the ultimate goal is track and trace everybody at all times, then what problem and reaction would lead people to that solution? Because if you just present that solution, no one's going for it. And it's not just going to naturally occur. If you ask Kaczynski, he would probably say that that it will naturally occur. But I guess that's kind of a different uh, story there. But with this problem reaction solution setup with this structure, what you would want to do is create a problem that would cause people to react in a way against that problem that would lead them to this solution of tracking and tracing everybody as being a positive thing to do in a solution to their problem that they are reacting from. So I am not saying that COVID, for example, was completely created out of nowhere and it doesn't really exist and it's just this 
pretend story. I'm not saying that. Um, I, I would definitely say that the mainstream narrative is very incorrect and is an outright lie. And I would say similar things about 9-11. So I'm somewhere in the middle on both of those. But both of those are good examples of problem, reaction, solution. And I'll use um, the example of coronavirus for uh, this example, because uh, the result is to track and trace everyone. And that's the result. And so with coronavirus, when that hit, that was a problem that most people reacted to in fear. Most people were very scared. Most people weren't sure what to do. Most people reacted by turning to the experts, by doing what they're told, by keeping themselves and their families safe. This was the reaction that came from the coronavirus that uh, started at some point. And so coronavirus hits, that's the problem. The reaction is that people basically freak out, they're scared, they turn to the experts to see what do we do, and they do what they're told. And the solution of tracking and tracing everybody and following everybody at all times, uh, that is something that could potentially solve the problem. And since people had the reaction of being scared and trusting the experts, then when they hear this solution being presented that, oh, well, we need to track and trace people so that we can track and trace the virus, so that we can stop the virus, so that we can protect you, we can ease your fears, we can protect your family. This is what the experts are saying is the correct route to go. And yes, that's a solution that now sounds really good. Why does it sound good? Because of the problem and the reaction. That is why the solution sounds good. Left to natural events, more than likely that solution would never sound good to anybody. Most people are not on board with that. But because of what happened, because of these variables that were introduced with the coronavirus with uh recommendations by expert organizations and scientists and these types of things. Think Fauci and World Health Organization and the London Institute of, oh, I forget the name of it, but the one that came out with the very first paper early, early on when coronavirus first broke, there's a paper saying that it was likely going to have a 5% death rate and millions of people would die. And it's this horrible scenario unless you do all these things. You lock down, you track people, you do all these things. And that wasn't very well received at first, and it turned out to not actually be true, but it kind of set the stage for all of this stuff. And so with this, you have this push towards being tracked and traced everywhere you go, all of that data being stored. That data can then be analyzed and be used to then further predict grand trends and predict what variables need to be changed to change those grand trends or to steer them or tweak them, that kind of thing. So that's what you end up with. And that is basically the idea of psychohistory as well, just playing out in a modern version in a slightly different way. So that is what we're dealing with now. That is the idea of psychohistory and following the plan. Following the plan is like following the experts. So these experts, let's say the World Economic Forum has this plan for the Great Reset. And the Great Reset is going to fight climate change and poverty. And it's going to make everybody feel fulfilled and purposeful. And it's going to protect people from dangerous viruses and terrorism and uh, all of these horrible things, you know, low 
economic outcomes and low education outcomes, that these things will be solved through this great reset. We're going to reset society because there are so many problems with society. And uh, well, guess what? There are much more problems with society since coronavirus started. And we are definitely due. I've been talking about this for, I guess, two years now, since I started this podcast, maybe three, however long it's been, that we are overdue for an economic crash. And I think that will be the final, uh, I guess, nail in the coffin there. But we are seeing society start to uh, fall apart, become very divisive, uh, begin to crash in certain ways. And that is why we need to, what is the phrase, build back better. And that is the idea of the Great Reset. But that's a problem of things crumbling and not looking good divisiveness. The reaction is that we need to fix this, change this, to cut it off. We need to become unified. The solution hey, we are going to have these worldwide organizations that are looking out for the best interests of humanity that are ran by experts in order to uh, better manage resources and decisions. And what is that? That's technocracy. Problem, reaction, solution, right to technocracy. That's what we're in the middle of right now. So, I'm going to go ahead and just move on to the second foundation. So the second foundation is a, a foundation that Selden sets up in secret. No one knows about the second foundation. It is a secret foundation. And the twist here is that he has discovered that there are some people that have some genetic difference in them where they can influence people on a mental level. So they can influence people's thoughts or decisions. And uh, this is obviously something that is a very powerful tool. And he ends up bringing people together from across the galaxy that have this ability, and they form the second foundation together. And this second foundation is designed to be a group that is focused on following the Selden plan without becoming known. They are doing all of this behind the scenes. They want to make sure that things go the way they are to go. They are going to steer. They are going to guide. The first foundation is actively and openly trying to uh, basically bring order to the galaxy over time, and they know that's what they're trying to do, and other people know that's what they're trying to do. The second foundation, totally behind the scenes, most people don't know. There are rumors about them. There are some examples of their... They possibly might exist, but it is not a proven thing, and even when it becomes proven, then, yeah, they don't get totally outed. I'll put it that way. And so with the second foundation... This is something that not only can help steer things writ large in the galaxy, the second foundation can also control the first foundation and do so secretly behind the scenes. And uh, this is done by this group of people that are genetically superior. They have superior intelligence. They have superior abilities. And so they are the superior experts, so to say, that have a, uh, I guess, a better way of ruling or making decisions or managing society or sticking to the plan, that kind of idea. 
And so if you look at this again in a modern version, this is the Milner group. This uh, that would be the beginning of the Rhodes Roundtable groups that would then later evolve. I guess the American one would be the Council on Foreign Relations. And I forget the names of the others. There's a very popular one in the UK that I can't remember the name of off the top of my head. But um, these groups still do definitely exist and have a lot of influence. Uh, Council on Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, groups of this nature are offshoots of the Milner Group, which was the Rhodes Roundtable Group, which was really focused on eugenics, on people that thought they were genetically superior to the average person, and that they should be steering things behind the scenes in secret and influencing the first foundation, the governments, the states that were in existence, but doing so behind the scenes where they are not known, they are not outed. This is the same idea as well as the Bilderberg Group, the Rothschilds, uh, you could also maybe say the Bohemian Grove Group. Uh, these types of groups of people uh, that are just very powerful, they're mostly behind the scenes, they have a lot of wealth and influence, they have political pull, but they are not openly politicians or rulers or managers of giant corporations, although some are each one of these things. In general, these are people um, operating behind the scenes to steer things in a certain direction, basically to follow the plan. What is the plan? To do what's best for humanity as a whole. Which humanity as a whole would be best off, according to them, and a plan of eugenics, that is their Selden plan, humanity would be best off if you make humanity better. And in order to make humanity better, you get rid of the lesser versions of humanity, and you increase the abilities, the skills, the intellect, the education of the better aspects of humanity. And so you automatically are going to be in this position where you have the more elite class that gets promoted and grows and evolves this idea of transhumanism, making them even better than they are. And then you have the lower classes the masses that are left to their own device devices. They might just destroy themselves. They can fight amongst themselves. They do whatever they want. And ideally, from their perspective, they die off and uh, they don't really matter or factor in in the very long run. In the very long run, it's just the transhumanists that are now the human race, so to say, the evolution of the human race. And they are the ones that are dominant, possibly the only ones in existence at that point. So, you could argue, and it has been argued by many people many times, that this is the overall plan. This is the eugenics plan. This is the Selden plan of the forces of darkness, so to say. And this is kind of the basis of the Alex Joneses of the world, the whole conspiracy realm. But this is not just a conspiracy theory. These people have actually outright said much of this stuff. So uh, this is a plan that... There are people who are trying to follow it and steer things in that direction, and uh, it's just something that is. This is the second foundation. Now, keeping the plan on track is something that the second foundation is focused on doing. They use influence. So you have a person or you have a political influence 
to steer a society through social engineering and management of political bodies. So they have agents, individual agents that can come in and maybe they're an advisor to a king of a certain planet or they are um, established in a court of influence or they're running some sort of galactic corporation of some kind, and so they have a lot of influence through that realm. There are different aspects here, but they they are not the ruler of themselves. They would be the advisor to the ruler. And so this is how the second foundation works. It steers political bodies, political parties. So in today's world and in this foundation universe, the idea is that they would pick a political party or a political candidate that would fit with the Selden plan, that would steer things in the direction that they want them to go, and they would make sure they reinforce that candidate or that party, and they would uh, do the opposite of reinforcing the other, somehow cause some negative effects with them, bring down their chances so that they do not succeed, but the candidate or the party or the group um, that they want to succeed does. This is even true of political ideologies as a whole, not just political parties per se. And so this is what the Second Foundation does, and this is what the modern Second Foundation does as well. They steer political parties, they steer political ideologies, and they do this in order to steer society into a certain direction through social engineering. Go back to Plato. That was the first illusion of uh, this evolution of technocracy. It's all about social engineering. It's about being able to have control over the mass of people. You don't have to control every single individual. And like psychohistory, it's not necessarily that you could even do that if you wanted to. There are always these variables, especially down to an individual level. But what you can do is steer the trend. You can steer the masses. You can steer a society in a direction. You might not be able to make it do exactly what you want it to do, but you can steer it in a general direction and uh, help a trend to become a thing or to not become a thing. On a mass level, you can definitely do these things. The way the second foundation works in relation to their special power, so to say, where they can influence people's thoughts and actions, the the way they view this is that they shouldn't do this unless they really have to. So in general, individuals and even whole societies have a lot of freedom, but their thoughts and their attitudes and their actions are controlled and shifted at very specific times only when necessary for the success of the plan. That is always the goal, to steer things towards uh, the Selden plan being successful and being carried out the way that Selden foresaw it and said that it should. And so what happens is it's not that, let's say there's an advisor to a king of a planet. This uh, king rules the entire planet. There's an advisor that secretly is a member of the Second Foundation and does have the ability to influence that king's uh, thoughts and perceptions and uh, views of things. And so what this advisor would do would be, in general, not do anything. They would actually just use their skills of rhetoric and whatnot to influence the king and steer things in certain directions. But if they notice that this king is starting to have suspicions about a certain group and that's not going to lead to good places, maybe they can make a little tweak 
in the king's mind so that the king forgets about these suspicions or those suspicions are done away with or those suspicions are twisted and shifted onto someone else or some other group or whatever. So it's just this minor little tweak that's done. That's how the second foundation works. They just shift some uh, focus, some attitudes, some thoughts, and in turn, behaviors and actions. And this is very reminiscent of the digital world that we find ourselves in today, we have digital content control where the things that we see, the things that we can access are controlled. And in doing so, they do have an influence on how we think, on what our worldview is, on our perception of things. They steer us in certain directions that can lead to certain behaviors and actions. Think marketing. That is what marketing is. That's what propaganda is. They're virtually the same thing, where you take an individual or a group of individuals and you want to steer them towards a certain behavior or action. The way you do that is you show them certain pictures. You uh, tell them certain words, you give them certain information that is going to steer their mind in a certain direction that leads to the product or the candidate or whatever, the outcome that you want, the behavior or action that you want. This is something that has been uh, very successfully implemented in today's world, especially in the corporate world. And uh, guess who runs the technocracy? Yes, the corporate world. And so with this, we have this whole idea of the second foundation. I've referenced the study that Facebook did many times where um, they did find that they can control and manipulate people's emotions based on what they show in their feed, what advertisements they show, these types of things. So we do know that big tech can influence our thoughts, our attitudes, and our perceptions of things. Think of the whole coronavirus pandemic and uh, the difference between someone who watches the news and someone that doesn't. Also, just the difference between someone that watches uh, CNN and someone that watches Fox News. There are huge differences between all of these groups, and those differences exist because of the content that they are shown, because of the information that is given to them. It changes their perception of the world. And this is the idea of the second foundation. Now, the second foundation uses some kind of special ability. It's not magic, but it's uh, uh, akin to that, or like the superhero movies where people have these special abilities to do certain things. It's that idea. Today's world, it's strictly technology. It is strictly the algorithms. It is strictly something that is done on a different level. It's not magical at all. It's not some random superhuman uh, genetic alteration or evolution or anything like that. It is something that is done mainly through technology, but it has the same effect. These things are happening in today's world. Now, going back to kind of the earlier parts of the foundation and psychohistory, one of the things that Selden really saw that solidified his views that psychohistory was correct, that things were playing out the way that psychohistory was predicting, was the decay of the empire. So what he saw was that the empire was very technological, was very advanced, but that it seemed to have reached this peak of technology. 
but there was low innovation. There were few who truly understood the how and why behind the tech. Few people could work on it. Few people would create new technologies, these types of things. It was as if things had kind of peaked and were starting to decay. This was something that became very evident, and it uh, was part of this problem leading to the fall of the empire. And this is something that we do see happening today. If you may have noticed, uh, I have definitely noticed that ineptitude is on the rise uh, to the extreme. It doesn't matter what field you are getting into. I have had this issue with doctors and nurses. I have had this issue with the teachers and principals at schools that I work with. I've had this issue with coworkers. I've had this issue with mechanics. I've had this issue with uh, carpenters and different tradesmen. All of these various areas, even retail stores, and just all of these things. There are there are certain things that someone in a certain position should be able to do. They have a job. So your job entails a list of things, of abilities, of knowledge, of things that you do. And more and more, I am seeing very clearly that people can't do their job. Either that or they just won't do their job. But usually it's more of a can't do their job. It's kind of evolved from a won't do their job to a can't do their job. People are much more inept than they used to be. And that is my personal observation. I don't know if that's completely true. Maybe it's just something totally subjective that uh, I am seeing, even though it may not be there everywhere. But it is something that I am seeing that I am running into personally on a regular basis in many different fields, many different groups, many different places that I go, many different people that I interact with. It's just over and over again. People just can't do their job. They can't do what they're supposed to do. And they keep, they, they fail and they mess up. And it's not that anyone's perfect, but it's just something that is more and more common. And I, I think it is more common. It could be that I just recognize it more and it's always existed, but I think it is more common. Again, that is my personal opinion. But back to the foundation example, this was one of the big things that Selden noticed and would contribute to the decay of the empire and the fall of the empire. Now, when we look at the systems of control that exist in today's world, they are losing public support. They are losing authority. The emperor becomes a figurehead, and the empire doesn't crash, but rather it decays. And this is what is happening today. We have governments, we have states, we have politicians. They are losing the respect of the people. They are losing the... I guess the will to follow that people used to have, the patriotism that people used to have. A lot of people still have that patriotism, but it is oriented somewhere else. It's not necessarily in their government, but it might be in a certain political party or a certain ideology or a certain religion or a certain utopian view of how things used to be in the country or this type of idea. And so the control and the authority of, let's say, the state is starting to lose some of its role, some of its power and influence that it once had. It is losing the support and this authority. And so the state, the government, becomes more of a figurehead, just like the emperor had become more of a figurehead in the Foundation universe. And the empire, again, it doesn't completely crash, and it doesn't crash right away. 
if you look on a macro level, yes, the empire crashes. But on a more micro level, let's say within the span of 100 years or something, uh, it's a slower decay of the empire falling. And so I am equating this similarly to how I did with the Reformation time period in episode, or sorry, season two, where the state doesn't just completely go away. And it doesn't go away right away. It doesn't even lose all of its power right away. It is a gradual process where the state starts to lose power as it gets more divided up and things become more divisive within this unit of the state. And so as this is happening, uh, the state is in a sense decaying. It's losing that position that it once had and something else is rising up to fill these gaps as it's losing it. So it's not that something comes up in a rush and it's not that the government falls in a rush and it's not that the government totally disappears. Heck, the empire and foundation does not totally disappear. The home planet, and I forget the name of it now off the top of my head, but it still existed, and the empire in some form still existed hundreds and thousands of years later. And so this was not something where it just totally disappeared, but it did become much less dominant. It was no longer the dominant force in the galaxy, just like the church was no longer the dominant force in society in Western Europe after the Reformation, just like the state, your government of your country, might not be the dominant force in your area post-technocracy, let's say post this next shift that we are shifting into, this next age we are going into. Maybe you could say the dim age if you go back to the Ven Armani view of things. So as we are shifting away, the governments, the states, they are becoming more broken up. And in doing so, they are losing some of that support, that authority, that power. Some of this is natural. Some of this is helped along. Some of this is steering from behind the scenes. Uh, but the result is the same. This is where the technocracy comes from. This is how the technocracy can rise to power, to dominance, to a higher state of influence. It is through this process that is happening. So when you look at this, we can see that a dark age is coming but it can be shortened and controlled if planned for and set up for. So if you follow the plan, then you can change the outcome, the end result. And this is something that was done in the Foundation universe, and it was done successfully. I will give you that bit of information, but I'm not going to ruin the plot at all. But in today's world, there is a plan for society, humanity, whatever, there are plans that people are trying to pursue. This is something that just is a fact. And there is a thing to be aware of with this, that there is a first foundation and there is a second foundation. If you become reliant on either of the foundations, if you become heavily influenced by the foundations, then you will be going right along with the plan of the foundations. That's what they're trying to do is implement the Selden plan or implement the eugenics plan or whatever transhumanism plan, however you want to word that in today's lingo. Basically, it's eugenics. And so it's this idea that there is a plan in place. There are people behind the scenes steering towards this thing. There are people uh, that are public figures that are steering us towards this direction as well. There are different groups that have power and influence. And these are the foundations. And so going back to this foundation illusion, on one hand, the foundation had a good 
plan and a good thing in mind, that they wanted to shorten the time period of chaos in the galaxy. So we could say that's a good thing. End the fighting, you know, peace and prosperity and all of these types of things. And that should sound familiar. That's a lot like the Great Reset, where they're trying to end warfare and poverty and uh, this lack of education and all of these things. Yes, it's the same idea. And so I would just argue that the plan that the transhumanists and these different organizations are oriented towards is a plan that is oriented towards eugenics and a eugenics worldview or a, again, transhumanist worldview or a genetic manipulation worldview, bioethics, whatever you want to call it. This is what it is. And my view on that is that it is immoral in many different ways, and that is not a plan that should be followed. That is where I would shift back to the example I've used in this season a lot, and that would be the original church. Original Christianity had a view of sticking with the natural order. The natural order of things was the correct way. Man trying to step in and become God and change the natural order, manipulate the natural order, control the natural order, that was wrong. Now, we can use the natural order to our benefit, and that is a good thing. The world, nature, was designed in order to give us food, in order to give us shelter. We were designed in order to take care of nature, to take care of the world, the natural order. These are all good things. But when you start changing that, manipulating that, trying to create your own natural order, this is where you go off track. And this is eugenics. This is transhumanism. This is something that I personally strongly disagree with. And so that is the danger, that the foundations that are in power in today's world, that have a lot of influence, that are coming into more power and influence, these foundations are oriented towards a plan that is not a plan that most of us would want to see come to fruition. And so we need to be aware of this. We need to know the signs of this. We need to see the trends that are coming. Again, the past few seasons have been all about historical trends, historical patterns. That's what I've been focusing on. And it's because of this idea of psychohistory. It wasn't because exactly of psychohistory. I don't think I had read the Foundation series when I started all this. But it's that same idea that we can foresee trends and we can make changes, change variables in our own lives in order to put us at a better footing in the future when these trends start to continue to develop. And this is something that I am trying to do, and this is something that hopefully we're all trying to do, is to be able to recognize what these trends are, recognize the signs, see how these trends come about, how these different things are manifested, and what these plans truly are. All of this different stuff comes into play for us where we can direct our lives better. We can hopefully, as a species even, if not a society, if not families, whatever, we can be in a better place than we would have been otherwise simply by being able to recognize the plan and recognize the trend. Uh, we can use our version of psychohistory to do so, and that is something that can be very beneficial. Now, I am done with this episode here. That's all the notes that I had on the Foundation series, and I will pick up next time with something else. I don't know what that is. I've had a lot of stuff going on personally in my life. Nothing bad, generally all good stuff, just a lot of busy stuff. And so I am not 
uh, up to date on all of the podcast planning. So I do have a rough idea. I've got a rough outline, but I have not recorded the episode, haven't even done the outline for the episode that's coming up next. So I don't know exactly what the episode will be. So you will be surprised, I will be surprised, and it'll be fun. But I will say that it'll have something to do with the religious aspect, the religious perception and perspective on technocracy. So I had introduced the series with a few different sets of illusions. You have uh, two that were secular and two that were religious. And the two secular were either material or immaterial, roughly is how I'm describing it now. But you had the idea of Machiavelli's 1984 Panopticon, that's a more material secular version. And then there is the immaterial secular version of Plato's Brave New Foundation. And this was the immaterial secular. And then we've got the religious, and you have a material religious and an immaterial religious. And I'm not exactly sure what those illusions were, to be perfectly honest. I'm trying to pull out my notes right now and uh, cycling through them. I do find it. So we've got the Calvin's City of God reconstruction version, and I am not sure what the other is, to be honest. I don't have it written down on my notes right here. But um, it's this idea of, yeah, the City of God or Calvin's Geneva or the Reconstructionist movement, that type of thing. It's about having this religious worldview and implementing that in a very material way on society so that you have, let's say, a Christian nation, for example. This is the view of that version of religious technocracy. And then you have the religious immaterial version, which I would say is more in line with the kingdom of God, Uh, type of view, and that is something that is much more immaterial, and that's what I'll wrap things up with. So I guess I'm talking about that in some form or fashion in the next episode. That's where we're going, and we're reaching the end of this whole series on technocracy as a whole. So with that, I will give another announcement for a local event to me. There is a Uh, event in Chattanooga, Tennessee that has Nicole Sauce from the Living Free in Tennessee podcast and the Unloose the Goose podcast. And uh, Unloose the Goose, I would definitely recommend. It's an agorist podcast where different, they kind of rotate the hosts and the people that are on there and they discuss different topics related to agorism. So it's a good one. But um, uh, also her podcast, Living Free in Tennessee, can be good as well, depending on if you're in that niche. I think my listeners would probably be more in line with Unloose the Goose. But either way, Uh, Nicole Sauce is coming to Chattanooga and doing a presentation on community and uh, living in a way that is more freedom oriented and using community, using homesteading, using these types of things to make our lives better and the importance of coming together and doing this together. And so that should be a good event. And that's something that's being hosted by the Chattanooga Voluntary Society, which you can look up and find details there, chattanoogavoluntarysociety.com. And I think that is it. So I definitely want to say thank you to those of you who are giving money to support the show through Patreon or Subscribestar. Thank you very much. It is very appreciated. I am definitely very grateful for that. I also thank you for just being a listener in general. And keep in mind that you can always email me with questions, comments, feedback, these types of things. That's also very helpful. So until next time, I'm out. Peace. 
This has been our Foundations Podcast. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye-bye.